You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And to get this show every day, I need you to subscribe to Locked On Mets, wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify, Himalaya. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. For today's show, I'm going to talk about the mystery candidate, the guy that was rumored, we didn't know who it was, and now we have a name, and that name is Pat Murphy. So I'm going to talk about Murphy in the first half of the podcast. Then in the second half, I'm going to talk about how absolutely ludicrous it is to even have a mystery candidate and why the Will Ponds continue to prove to be one of the worst ownership groups in sports. Before we get to any of that though, I'm your host Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, check me out on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at MetsmerizeOnline.com. Now, when I say that having a mystery candidate is ridiculous, it is no um, knock on Murphy as a candidate. I'm not saying that he shouldn't get this job. I'm just referring more to this idea of why he had to be held in mystery. I don't know what it was, and nothing has been reported, as to why his name wasn't just out and released like everyone else who was being interviewed. But for those of you who don't know Pat Murphy, and I'll be honest, I did not until his name got brought up here. He was a longtime collegiate coach who is considered one of the greatest collegiate managers of all time. Now, during his playing career, Murphy actually played at my alma mater, Florida Atlantic University. He went on to have a little bit of a minor league career, not much ultimately decided to get into coaching and was hired by the University of Notre Dame in 1988. As the head coach, Murphy took the Fighting Irish to the NCAA Regional Finals in consecutive years from 1992 through 1994. Overall, he had a 318, 116, and 1 record, good for a 732 winning percentage, and then in 1995, Murphy took a job as the head coach for Arizona State University, where he won the Pac-10 Coach of the Year four times in 2000, 2007, 2008, and 2009. He led the Sun Devils to the College World Series four times in 1998, 2005, 2007, and 2009. While he was coaching at ASU, he became the youngest collegiate coach to ever notch their 500th win, and he also oversaw a team that was not shut out for an NCAA record 506 straight games. During his time at ASU, he managed his team to a 629-284-1 and record, good for a 682 winning percentage. Now, I don't know if you guys have been doing this, but I really urge you to read the managerial profiles that MetsBarizeOnline.com has been publishing. And John Sheridan wrote a great piece 
on Pat Murphy. And in that piece, one of the things he notes is how Murphy would recruit and develop undrafted high school players and ultimately coach them up into being able to become very good major league players. Some of the players that Murphy coached in college include Cole Calhoun, Craig Council, Andre Ethier, Jason Kipnis, and Dustin Pedroia. In the piece by Sheridan, he also pulled this quote from Adam McCalvey, where Craig Council was talking about Murphy and Council said, quote, when you go to college, you're growing up, you're learning about baseball and about life. It's an impressionable time in your life. And I learned a lot from him. More than anything, I think he was a person who made me mentally tough because he challenges you. Council went on to hire Murphy as his right-hand man, his bench coach, when he became the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, a position that Murphy has held since the 2016 season. Prior to working with the Brewers, Murphy worked with the Padres, first serving as a special assistant for baseball operations in 2010. He then went on to manage in 2011 and 2012, managing the Eugene Emeralds, where he guided the team to a Northwest League best record each season. He then went on to manage their AAA team from 2013 to 2015. And then in the middle of the 2015 season, Murphy took over for Bud Black as the Padres interim manager, and he managed them to a 42-54 and record down the stretch. When it comes to hiring Pat Murphy, my biggest takeaway is this is as experienced a managerial candidate that the Mets have interviewed. I don't think there's any doubt that this guy can have the lineup card and be ready to manage his team for any ball game. I just think the amount of experience you're talking about thousands of games under his belt that is something that no one else the Mets have interviewed can say about their career. And I think the concerns I might have is his age. He's 60 years old. We're seeing younger managers succeed in baseball nowadays. But I just think that Murphy would be another one of those managers, kind of like I talked about Joe Girardi, that would raise the floor of this team. Now, does he have the highest ceiling that some of these other guys might have? I don't really know. But I think that I won't be upset, right? If the Mets go this route and Murphy ends up being their guy, that to me would be a fine hire, and I think he would do a pretty nice job. So when we get back in just a minute, I do want to talk more, though, about how this whole process has unfolded and the Wilpons' place in that process. All right, Mets fans, let's talk about the Wilpons. You know, in life, I try to be able to sympathize and empathize with people and, you know, really be able to give people the benefit of the doubt because for a lot of situations, you don't necessarily know all the circumstances that go into the decisions they make. And so I'm not going to sit here and just opine about the fact that they don't spend money and all that stuff because I don't know what's in their pocketbook. I don't know the things they're responsible for with the Mets and outside of the Mets. So I'm not even going to get into that stuff. But what I do want to talk about the Wilpons is the things that they can control. And to me, sometimes the most important thing that someone can know is what they don't know. Having that self-awareness to understand your limitations 
and be able to come to terms with them and seek help from people who do have an understanding of some of those things that you might not be an expert in. And to me, Jeff Wilpon fancies himself as a baseball expert because he is really involved with the decision-making that goes on when a lot of other owners will hire their own president of baseball operations that will handle the day-to-day stuff. Jeff is involved in everything. And to me, it's the Wilpon's biggest problem is getting their hands involved in places that really shouldn't. And I can't help, as we're talking about this managerial hire, to go back to a year ago when the Mets hired Brody Van Wagenen in the first place. Because to me, and I've said this before, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but because Heim Bloom has been hired by the Boston Red Sox and the Mets are still in this process, I think it's worth revisiting again. Heim Bloom should have been the answer last year as the Mets general manager. You had a guy who was a Yale graduate who worked his way up from being an intern with the Rays to being their senior vice president of baseball operations. He took a team that consistently has a low payroll. He found market inefficiencies. He brought analytics into the fold. He was innovative with everything that they did. He implemented really creative strategies like shifting more and using openers that took his teams and brought them to the next level and found a way to keep the Rays competitive year after year. Tom Verducci was quoted talking about the Rays and he said that no franchise understands better how to identify, develop, and maintain quality pitchers. The Rays did all these things well and... Heim Bloom is a big part of that, and he wanted the Mets' job. He was a finalist for the job, but he ultimately didn't get hired. Now he goes a year later, and it turns out to be the best thing for him. As Bloom goes out for the Red Sox job, he interviews with them, blows them away so much they don't even interview another candidate, and they hire him to take over everything. And for me, the only reason why Bloom is not in that same position for the Mets is because the Wilpons got in the way. Because to me, I don't think it's that big of a stretch to hypothesize that Bloom was probably the candidate that Omar Minaya and the other baseball people were most likely advising the Wilpons to hire because they say he finished as the runner-up. And I just can't imagine that Minaya, someone who worked as a scout and really grinded, how a person like that wouldn't sympathize with Bloom's story of working his way from the bottom in the Rays organization and want to hire that guy as opposed to hiring an agent who he competed for negotiating contracts with players. But the Wilpons were blown away by Brody Van Wagenen and the haircut and the nice smile and the fact that he would look great in front of the media and he was great with his words. And he's promising, hey, we're going to win now and in the future. And the Wilpons just had their minds blown. Wow. Here's Hein Bloom is talking about us having to struggle for a couple years. Maybe trading Jacob deGrom and Zach Wheeler off of great seasons to capitalize on some market inefficiencies to bring in an influx of talent into the farm system so that in two years the Mets can contend for championships, not just a championship. But this guy Brody, he's saying, hey, we're going to do it all. It's all right, man. We're going to win now. We're going to win the future. We got it all in the bag. 
and the Wilpons were just caught hook, line, and sinker. And it's not to say that Birdie can't figure it out on the job. It's not. He might work. You say this year, hey, they were in the wild card race. Whatever you want to say, maybe it works, and hopefully it does. But to me, there's no doubt that Bloom was the best candidate, and the Mets let him walk out the door. And that has to do with the Wilpons. And so now we sit trying to hire another important position in this Mets organization. They're looking for a new manager. And they're going to go to a third round of interviews now with their candidates. Now that third round is going to include Carlos Beltran, Eduardo Perez, Tim Bogart, and Derek Shelton. Maybe it includes Pat Murphy as well. That has not been reported. Luis Rojas's name seems to be off the table. But why are they doing this third round? Well, the reason they're doing this third round is so that Fred Wilpon can get a chance now to sit down with the candidates. So we're going to go through this whole process again because you want the two cents of Fred Wilpon, who is 82 years old. Like That's the guy that's going to give you the edge and how to win baseball games in 2020. I'm sorry, it just doesn't add up. And so you had this organization that continues to prove that, yeah, they want to win, but they also want to be the story. They want to own the back page. That's why they go out, and that's why they tell guys like Andy Martina, who work for SNY, that they have a mystery candidate. And to get that out there, and guess what? We don't just have a mystery candidate. Andy, come closer. We have a bombshell. A bombshell candidate. Because that's going to get the news cycle turning. Who's the bombshell? Is it A-Rod? Is it Joe Torrey? Is it Jeff's nephew? We don't know who it is. It's ridiculous. They care too much about owning the New York spotlight. And they are way too involved in what goes on. And so as I sit here and I try to preach about some hope for the future and how the 2020 Mets can shock the world and win the World Series... I can believe that wholeheartedly with some of the great players on the roster, but overall, when I speak to the direction of the franchise, it is tough for me to sit back and just ignore the Wilpon-sized elephant in the room. And so sometimes you just got to rant about it because there's nothing else we can do. At the end of the day, this is the burden of following the New York Mets. It's just something you have to deal with, but as the saying goes, you got to believe. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets.